0: which I need because lately I want to do my hair in like a slicked back look, but my hair is too frizzy. Get 15% off Lola V with the code MOMROOM at slash MOMROOM and Lola V is L O L A V I E. Tonight, only on Disney Plus. My name is Taylor. Welcome to the Eras Tour. Experience Taylor Swift's record breaking Eras Tour. Swift Pierre's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tonight, only on Disney+. Plus. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rina, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Today's podcast is brought to you by Hello Bello. It's always a struggle when you're shopping as a mom to have to choose between what's best for your baby and what's best for your budget. Of course, we want the best of the best for our babies, especially when it comes to products that you're going to be putting directly on their skin. But we also don't want to break the bank account at the same time. This is exactly why Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard co-founded Hello Bello, which is built on the simple idea that all babies deserve the best, which is why they offer premium baby products at affordable prices. Their diaper bundling service lets you choose from a ton of fun designs with new designs being released every season. The lovely people at Hello Bello wanted to give the Mom Room podcast listeners a discount. So right now, if you go to hellobello.ca and use the promo code THEMOMROOM at checkout, you'll get 25% off your diaper bundle order. That's a huge bang for your buck and a lot of potential blowouts saved. That's hellobello.ca with the promo code TheMomRoom to start bundling with 25% off your first order. With their bundling service, you will get seven packs of diapers, four packs of plant-based wipes, and one free full-size product with your first order. Plus, you can get 15% off any add-ons like bubble bath, lotion, shampoo, hair detangler, and I always get asked what we put in Milo's hair because his hair is fabulous, and that is what we put in, the Hello Bello hair detangler. You guys will love their products, so don't forget, it's hellobello.ca with the promo code, The Mom Room. All right, it is Tuesday, which means it is just me talking to myself. Um, I decided to do something different today because I've been reading January's book for the Mom Room Book Club. Uh, If you don't know about the book club, we run it on Facebook, uh, which is the Mom Room Community on Facebook. It's a group. Um, It's an amazing group, I might add. So if you're not a part of it, go and join. Just make sure that you answer the entry questions uh, when you're trying to get in. So yeah, I'm reading the book, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Kids by Jancy Dunn. And often on the podcast, I ask guests to tell me resources that they would have for moms. Like, what do you recommend moms read or listen to or watch? Um, And so often I've had guests come on and recommend this book. So I decided to put it in the book club and so many people are telling me that they love it. Um, it is, the title is a little bit deceiving because it's not like about bashing your husband. It's more so about, um, learning how to communicate and just how to have a healthy relationship. And she kind of goes into like research, but also about her experience with her husband and what they did to kind of, um, get their relationship back on track after having, um, their daughter, and so it's very relatable and it's also very helpful with regard to learning how to communicate and how to get your relationship back to where it was before you had kids. Um, I always tell people too that you don't necessarily have to have kids to be able to get something from this book I would say it's valuable for people that don't have kids as well. Um, So yeah, I've been reading this book and then I came across a part in it where she talks about basically how to fight with your partner and I thought it was so interesting and it made me think about past relationships where I was definitely doing things that were not like toxic, I don't want to say toxic, but I mean, maybe that is a good word. Like, you you don't know how to properly express things when you're upset, or if you guys get into an argument, you don't handle it in the best way. And it's not to say that I handle everything perfectly now, uh, and my husband as well, but we are better able to recognize when we do something that's not ideal and then talk about it afterwards or resolve things a lot better than I would say I have in previous relationships for sure. So there are two people, they are a couple, and they have been studying couples and romantic relationships for over 40 years. So their names are John and Julie Gottman, and Jancy talks about them a lot uh, in this section of her book, because they are the ones who came up with what I'm going to talk about today, which is four behaviors that are lethal to relationships. After reading that section in the book, I was like, oh, I should do this for Tuesday's podcast. So I ended up looking into these four things more so on John and Julie Gottman's website. And then I found an article that talked about four behaviors to combat these four maladaptive behaviors. So I thought that was pretty important to include as well because... It's like, okay, we shouldn't do this when we have a disagreement or we're upset about something, but what should we do instead? Before I get into the four maladaptive behaviors, I wanted to just say that recognizing when you do these things is the first step. So you may listen to these four things and be like, oh my God, this is exactly how we communicate when we're upset, but it's not the end of the world. And I think once you hear what these four things are and how they come up in arguments, you will recognize it in your own behavior, but also in your partner's behavior. And then from there, you will be able to make changes just from being able to recognize it. So don't get discouraged if you're like, oh my god, I do this all the time, or this is what we do. That's totally fine, but it's important to be able to recognize it. So here we go. Oh yeah, before I get into them, I know you're like, okay Renee, shut up, what are these four things? But before I get into those, I just want to say that their four plus decades of research on couples, this is what these four things are based on so they look at you know how what are things in couples communications that lead to the end of a relationship and so these are four things that are strong predictors of a relationship not lasting so here we go the first thing is criticism and they make it very clear that a criticism is not the same as a critique or a complaint A criticism is more so attacking the person's character as opposed to what they did. So examples of this would be insulting them or using phrases like you never do this or you always do this. An example of a criticism versus a complaint would be something like, and I took this from the Gottman's website, they have uh, lots of nice examples. Uh, So criticism would be, you always talk about yourself. Why are you so selfish? And then an alternative to saying that in a more conducive way would be, I'm feeling left out of our talk tonight and I need to vent. Can we please talk about my day? The best way to recognize if you're saying a criticism versus a complaint or a critique would be when you start the sentence with you, because you're saying you do this, you're this. Instead, you want to say I, I feel this way. Can we do this? So you're starting the sentence with I and you're making it about you and what you want and what you need, but also clearly describing what you need out of the situation they describe it as complaining or critiquing without blaming the other person if you think about two people having a discussion and there's two different ways that they can have the discussion so the first one is the person starts by saying you're always on your phone and you never pay attention to me okay they can start the conversation that way which will probably make the other person get defensive which is the next thing that we want to avoid or the conversation could start with a person saying I always feel left out when you're on your phone and I find myself wanting to connect with you when I get home from work but that makes it difficult for me when you're on your phone so do you think when I get home from work we can spend a little bit of time without our phones together? That would really make me feel better and more connected to you when I get home. Something along those lines. Um, And I know initially, even me just saying that, it puts you in a very vulnerable position because you're basically saying, I want to have more connection with you or more attention from you when I get home from work and when you're on your phone, it hurts my feelings basically. Um... And that's, it's scary to say something like that because the other person could just be like, what, like shut the fuck up, like who cares? You're worried about their response. But if you do it the other way where you're more so criticizing them, you're not gonna get the response that you're seeking for sure. And you're making it about them doing something bad as opposed to making it about yourself and just what you want and what you need To be happy. So the next thing is contempt, which means it's basically when you're being mean to the person, disrespectful, you're mocking them, you're being sarcastic, ridiculing, calling them names, eye rolling, all those lovely behaviors. And they point out that the goal of these behaviors ultimately is to make the person that's doing it is trying to feel or make themselves seem superior to the other person. This episode is brought to you by Magic Spoon. You guys know I have been very intentional with what we've been eating lately. I'm looking at protein, I'm looking at sugar content, and avoiding things like artificial ingredients or colorings. Simplify your kid's mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. Is So showing contempt would be something like, you forgot to load the dishwasher again? Oh, you're so incredibly lazy while rolling your eyes at the person, let's say. And then a positive way to kind of get the same message across is, I understand that you've been busy lately, but could you please remember to load the dishwasher when I'm working late? I'd really appreciate it. This example was also taken from their website and I will post the the blog posts that I pulled this information from. I will post them in the episode notes so that you can read them if you're interested. In their decades of research, they did find that contempt, uh, behaving in this way, trying to be superior to one another, um, is the number one predictor of divorce, which is like, not shocking I guess because who wants to be living in a situation where they're constantly being ridiculed or having people's eyes rolled at them like it's not an enjoyable situation from what I've read it seems that contempt builds from lots of criticism. So it starts out as criticism and then that becomes just a pattern in your communication style and eventually it leads to full-blown contempt. The third behavior is defensiveness. So this is typically a response to criticism. Um, It also escalates conflict. Like I was saying, if someone criticizes someone then they have a defensive reaction. The point of The defensive reaction is to reverse the blame onto the other person. A defensive reaction is also telling the other person that we don't take their concerns seriously and that we're not going to take responsibility for what they're saying that we did. But at the same time, I can understand why someone would have a defensive response when someone is approaching them in a critical way or using contempt to get their message across. So it's kind of like it just goes back and forth. It's a vicious cycle, really. A good example that I can think of of defensiveness because my husband gets defensive when I say things but I also acknowledge that I probably don't say things in the best way especially when it's something that's very like in the moment like Milo is about to fall off the couch like how I react is very it's probably not the best way and then my husband gets defensive but this example Uh, is one that I can think of that happened like a few weeks ago. So I was sitting with Milo in our bed after his bath and I was brushing his hair and putting cream on and getting his diaper on and stuff. And my husband was tidying things up in the room and he came over towards the bed and he knelt down, like he bent over to try and hand me something or put something on the bedside table. And as he was doing that, he coughed and like spit went in my face and I was holding Milo so it obviously went on Milo's face too and I reacted probably not the best way but it just kind of took me by surprise and I was like oh my god like don't cough in our faces or something like that and then he got super defensive and was like oh fine I'll just go downstairs then you know and obviously he didn't go downstairs but that was his reaction to my reaction and I didn't say anything like you know me five or ten years ago would have probably picked a fight at that point um because of how he reacted but instead I just didn't say anything and we did the night like we normally would and then after like a few minutes went by um Milo we were just watching bubble guppies or something and I was like do you realize like how you reacted in that moment and he was like what what do you mean and I was like well I said like don't cough on in our faces or whatever and you like huffed and puffed and said that you were gonna go downstairs and he was like yeah okay and he he was like I'm sorry like I shouldn't have reacted like that but and I know it's probably because of how I reacted to him coughing so But I mean, like, let's be honest, it's COVID times, like who's not reacting like that to a cough? (laughs) Just kidding. Um, So anyways, he was like, yeah, I'm sorry. And I said, you could have just said like, oh my God, I'm sorry. Like I didn't, like I couldn't control it. I just like the cough came out of nowhere. But instead, like, and it's true how they say a defensive reaction almost feels like you're putting blame on the person that complained in the first place because his reaction of huffing and puffing and saying that he was going to go downstairs made me feel like I did something wrong. And I was like, like I hate that. I hate a defensive reaction because then it makes me feel like, number one, like they're not acknowledging what they just did was, was wrong or apologizing for it, but they're at the same time making you feel like you did something wrong. So yeah, anyways, it's super not helpful in any situation and I'm happy that now I'm able to just kind of talk about it and like we reflect on you know different situations that happen and then hopefully next time something like that happens we're like able to deal with it better but yeah so I just wanted to say that little situation that happened because it's the perfect example of defensiveness And I can see how when someone responds in a defensive way, it can kind of escalate into a bigger issue because both people are trying to put the blame on the other person. Um, And then it's just like, obviously, nothing good is going to come out of that. So the last one is called stonewalling, which I definitely used to do this all the time. I... Maybe nowadays I still do it, but more so in a positive way, because as you'll see when I go into the behaviors that you should be doing, one of the things is to take a break. So if I get quiet or as they call it stonewalling, that's what I'm doing. I'm trying to process why I'm upset, what's happening, and how to move forward in a positive way. So stonewalling, um, the not- beneficial way would be withdrawing from the interaction completely shutting down and just stopping responding to your partner and I feel like this one is probably so common Um, it can often be a result of feeling physiologically flooded so if somebody is receiving a ton of criticism or contempt and constantly being like nagged at maybe they're just going to shut down. You often hear about people giving others the silent treatment and I would assume that is what they mean by stonewalling or one version of it um, which the silent treatment is actually a form of being passive aggressive, which is a very unhealthy defense mechanism. So, yeah, but it's interesting how all these things kind of connect. Because, as they said, stone- stonewalling is withdrawing from interaction and it's a response to contempt. So, the contempt or the criticism is obviously putting you in a negative emotional state and so your defense mechanism or some people's defense mechanism is going to be to withdraw or to give the person the silent treatment to not talk which is a maladaptive defense mechanism a way to cope with the negative emotions that they're feeling ah so fascinating So the four things, and I'll try to go over these quickly, the four, they call it the antidotes um, to these four behaviors that I just discussed. So the first was criticism. So verbal attacks on your partner's character. um, And the antidote to that is talking about your feelings instead. So as I was saying before, Starting your statements with I instead of you and expressing a positive need. So I feel this way. I need this. Um, And you're asking your partner basically to fill this need. So yes, avoid you statements. So the second one was contempt, which is basically attacking the person's sense of self um, to insult them, to try and appear superior to them. And the antidote to that is what they call to build a culture of appreciation. And I must say, I'm very good at doing this because I always am thinking about all the amazing things that my husband does for me, for Milo, for our two annoying dogs. And not only do I think them in my head throughout the day... But I also tell him, I say thank you a lot. I regularly express, you know, what I appreciate about him, Um, showing affection every evening when we're hanging out, just watching TV. I try to always make sure that we're touching and we're, you know, cuddling or whatever it is. Um, Also, just showing the person respect can go such a long way. Um, you have to think, would I do this? Like, would I treat one of my best friends like this? And if the answer is no, then you shouldn't be treating your partner that way. Um, And they also talk a lot about doing small things often. So those are the things that I was just talking about. So touching your partner, saying thank you, telling them that you appreciate something that they've done. Um, So yeah, these things are huge and it creates a culture of appreciation. So what they mean by that is if you have these things and you have this positive mindset of your partner... Um, It creates almost like a buffer for negative feelings. So if my husband does one annoying thing that I get upset about, it's really not going to affect me that much because all day I've been thinking positive thoughts about him and I... I'm always thinking about things that I appreciate about him. So I love that. I think this is probably my favorite uh, antidote that they, that they talk about that I think would have the biggest effect on a relationship for sure. Um, They also talk about with regard to this building a culture of appreciation is a five to one ratio. So if you think about your interactions with your partner like the smallest interactions to bigger interactions you should have five positive interactions for every one negative interaction. The third um, negative thing was defensiveness, and so what this does is make uh, the person that's being defensive makes them a victim, and it's reversing the blame, and so the the antidote to to this is basically accepting your partner's perspective and offering an apology. So even if you're accepting just part of the blame or acknowledging what they're saying, Um, It just kind of validates what your partner is saying and then you're able to work together towards a compromise. Um, So yeah, instead of being like, oh, and I'm going to go downstairs, just say, oh, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have coughed in your face and like, I won't do it again or whatever. Um, And then it's done and it's over. But I will say in order for the person to not react in a defensive way, the other partner needs to be coming at them in a, a positive or a healthy way. Um, I don't know that I could not be defensive if someone was coming at me in a critical way or showing contempt. So there's that. The last one was stonewalling, which is withdrawing um, because of being over um, emotionally overwhelmed. So uh, one thing that they wrote about was when you're emotionally overwhelmed, it often creates a fight or flight response in people. So someone might fight, which might be look like defensiveness or contempt or criticism. But some people will flight, which is the stonewalling or the withdrawing from the situation. Um, And so a super neat study that they were talking about was where couples were in a room and obviously they were part of this research study but when they would start to argue and everything was being either filmed or recorded so when they would start to get into a big argument the um, people that were running the study and this was a study done by John and Julie Gottman they would pretend that they had to go fix the equipment and so basically the argument would just shut down because they wanted to get it on tape for the research uh, study so they would pretend they had to go fix the equipment for whatever amount of time and what they found that when they did that both partner's heart rates went down and the interaction when they got back into the argument because the equipment was fixed um, they were able to have a rational conversation and work through things in a more positive way so it was just them pretending to have to fix the equipment to kind of shut it down take a break and then when they resumed they were able to um, resolve what was going on much better Uh, So the antidote to stonewalling or withdrawing is to take a break and soothe and distract yourself. So whether it be for 15 minutes or a half hour, I think they recommend like 20, 30 minutes. Um, So, yeah, just acknowledging to your partner, you know what, I feel myself getting really angry. So let's just take a little break and then we'll get back together and discuss things um, after the break. And there's nothing wrong with doing that. You just have to have the self-awareness to know when you're getting to that point where communication is not going to be positive or, you know, helpful in any way, and then take a break. So yeah, I thought these things were super interesting. I'm curious to know what you guys think about it. Um, As I said before, if you want to be a part of the book club, it's on Facebook at The Mom Room Community and yeah, this is our January book and it's really good so far and Jen and I will have a podcast episode out all about it um, soon at the end of January or beginning of February. So yeah, thank you guys so much for listening and I will catch you on Friday when I release the co-hosted episode. Uh, And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, review. It is how I stay at the top of the charts. And yeah, I hope your children sleep tonight and you as well.